Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Speaker for this evening, uh, Barbara H. from the San Fernando Valley. Barbara? Thank you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Barbara Alcoholic. Um, I also suffer from drug addiction. Imagine that. Um, I want to thank you guys for inviting me out here. Um, I'm here spending a night with my friend Lori. You know, I had dinner with Lori and and, uh, someone I just met, Joy, and my niece. And um, and I'm happy. I'm so happy. I want to cry. You know, I'm so grateful that I'm just like... Because I was never happy, never happy, you know. And and Jordan, you know, um, you know, when you're sharing about the community, you're you're right, you're right on. You know, this is a community where people come here, and we just hold you and love you and go through the process, whatever you're going through. The good times will be with you, smiling. The bad times will be carrying you and crying with you. You know, so I want to thank you guys for having me out here. You know, I'm so glad I have 45 minutes to talk because I can talk. I got a lot to say. I have a lot to say, guys. Maybe some good, maybe not some so good, you know. Um, you know, um, and since none of you have heard my story, uh, I can tell it, you know, because um, Lori knows my story and she's heard me like, you know, a million times. You know, so when I speak where, um, where I live in L.A., you know, it's like, oh, man, they've heard me before. It's like, all right, let me think of, you know, what's going on more today. And it's like, oh, they've heard me. And it's like a little, I get a little, like, not so, um, not so as excited as I am right now. You know, um, I got here really young, um, really young. And, 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 and you know what? It doesn't matter how old you get here. Some people get here at 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 80, whatever, whatever your age is, you're still a little boy and you're still a little girl, you know. Um, the, the body might age, but the mind and the heart and sensitivity does not, you know. And this is where we learn to, um, to grow up, you know, and be an adult and be able to handle life on life's, time, life's terms because life's terms can really, um, it can really make you or break you. You know, and and um, and it made me. It didn't fucking break me. Oh, can I say fuck? <laughs> it made me. You know. So I got here um, at 25 with all kinds of. You know, I hear pe- people say the word baggage, but that is so impersonal. I came here with a lot of pain devastating pain, pain that just brought me to where I just want to die. I don't, what is life all about? What's it worth living? That's how I got here. You know, baggage, I think baggage is like for divorcees or, you know, something that's like, you know what I mean? That, but pain, we're, 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 we've suffered a lot, you know. And um, I've heard some stories, very rare in my whole sobriety, where somebody came here and nothing was wrong in their life ever. <laughs> They just got here because they just drank too much and did too much drugs. Usually when we drink, we do too much drugs because there's a reason why we're doing it. 
life a little too tough, way too tough, we need a way out because we can't deal with it. How can, how can we deal? How can I deal feeling that, I, Barbara, you are ugly. You are stupid. Nobody loves you. How do I possibly deal with that? And I don't. I don't deal with it. You know, and uh, that's how I got here. And I was feeling that way mm, probably since I was like seven years old. So from seven to 25, I hurt. I hurt. So I was so wounded, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm grateful and I'm happy because I haven't felt that way in a long time. And I'm thinking, was that really me? Did I really feel that? And yeah, I did. I remember, you know, and um, so I got here with all this kind of, you know, stuff. The world had done me wrong. Not so much you have done me wrong, but God has done me wrong. God was evil and punishing. And, you know, it's like, um, I don't know what's more hurtful to be in this program, that you think there's an evil and punishing God, or believing that there is no God. Either way, not too good. (laughs) You know, so I got here that God has done this to me. He made me feel pretty or ugly. He made me, he, he did this to me. And, you know, when we get here and I learned My problem is selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of my problem, driven by hundreds, maybe thousands and millions forms of fear. You know, afraid of this, afraid of that, just fear, 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 fear of everything. So um, by the time I was seven years old, life was horrible. And I look at little kids today, and I see little kids, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, and I'm wondering, what are they thinking? You know, do, do they feel that too? I don't remember anybody asking me, Barb, how you doing? I don't remember anyone saying, are you okay? Because in my household, you don't talk about nothing. You don't tell nobody nothing, period, you know? So um, so I didn't tell anybody anything. You know, I was, um, when I was, and I, and, you know, the good thing about an inventory, I love, love this inventory, this process, because... It's such a healing, healing mechanism that it's like, I, I think it's priceless. I think it's just as important if man went to the moon, you know, because you think you know what's going on, but the fourth step tells you what's really going on, what's really, not your ideas of what you thought happened, of how you thought you were treated, or how you thought the world treated you. No, this, that's all, for the most part, it's here. For the most part, you know. So um, so by the time I was six years old, I, when I was doing my inventory, I looked back and, and, and I saw where it started. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until, you know, I was doing my inventory. I had no idea. So from six years old, I did my inventory. I think I was two years sober, so like 27. And um, when I was six years old, uh, I was born in Panama. And I was, um, my father was an American, and he married a Panamanian um, woman. And, um, and he, was, um, he was a civilian working on the mili- in, the, um, in the canal zone. You know, he was, um, uh, he went to MIT, and he was working, you know, on the, um, you know, whatever, whatever he was doing. You know, so, um, I don't know. You, you know, I saw him, I have a picture of him on a train 
you know. And um, but all we there was military. We, you know, the MPs were everywhere. So he met my mom. And at six years old, my father used to go to um, a place called El Valle and 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 Panama. And this is in 1966. Oh, did I say that year? <laughs> 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 yes. And um, so you know, the El Valle was a, a volcano. <laughs> it was a dead volcano, not eruptible, you know, not erupting. Um, so we drive all the way up this volcano and all the way inside, you know, and it would take hours to get there. And it was a tourist attraction. There was trees, I mean, humongous trees and lakes and little motels. We used to go there all the time, you know. And so in 1966, in a jungle, in a volcano, in a third world country, a snake bites me. And so, yeah, so what a fucking snake. You know, people get bit all the time. You just go to the hospital. Well, uh, not in 1966, not in a volcano, not in a jungle, not in a third world country. Um, so I get bit by this fertilance. And, um, and I'm six years old. What do I know about anything, about anything? But it's a very deadly poisonous snake, and so not many people survive from it, especially not a six-year-old. So, um, so the snake, you know, I'm chasing my sister, you know, and, and, um, and, and, I, and I'm tired. I go this way to take, take a shortcut, you know, and I sit on this big log, and I put my foot back, and he hits... And he bites me on my ankle. And um, so, you know, yeah, I look, and I, and I remember it to this day. You know, it was a snake, and, but I just thought it was, I thought it was a frog because I saw the face, and the face was like that big, you know. And it's like, so it's a frog. It's a green frog, you know. So I'm walking across this lake, you know, to my family that were there, and, and I faint, and it's like, so, you know, they come and get me, and it's like my foot swells up like this big, you know, and, 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 um, and once they found out what it was, because they didn't know what it was until my father saw, no, actually it was like a 12-year-old Boy Scout, saw the puncture marks. There's two puncture marks, you know. And so they bring me to the nearest clinic. We had to drive all the way up the mountain, all the way around. And you can't go hauling ass because you see the cliff down there? It's a long ways, you know. And uh, so they brought me to the nearest clinic. A hole in a wall in a jungle, 1966, in a third world country. And they just got this anti-venom serum for this particular snake they didn't have all year long. That's okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and um, so my, my father gives me, you know, they, they needed blood to do a blood transfusion. Uh, you know, it had to be some for my mother, some for my father, because you need a lot of blood. And my mother refused because, you know, her witch doctor didn't tell her to, you know, not cool. But my father, being an atheist, <laughs> but believing in hospitals, you know, he gave me as much blood as he could before he fainted, you know. And um, so they brought me to the, to, the, to the hospital, and I was there in intensive care for, I don't remember the story too, too well. My, my older brothers and sisters tell me because they were there, you know, four, five months, six months, intensive care. And um, so... There it began, you know. So I had a skin graft, you know. And if you knows what a, what you know what a skin graft is, you take the top layer. You just like take a knife and take the top layer of your skin and put it somewhere else. Well, they took the top layer of my of my thigh to put it on my on my um, on my leg, and he bit my tendon. So it um, it um, it it it, it um, hit my bone. So uh, you couldn't mess with the bone because once you mess with the bone at six years old, it doesn't develop. So I had to wear a brace. I had skin graft, toe surgery, reconstructive surgery. Um, I had to wear um, a brace for like seven years because I couldn't 
Um, uh, I couldn't walk without it. I'd walk crooked, you know, like this. And it was back then, back in the day, <laughs> you know, it was ugly. They're like bars like that and a big-ass boot and a big belt around it. I see little kids today with, bra- with belts, with the braces, and they're cute. They're like pink with flowers and stuff, you know. But it was not cute back then, you know. And, um, and I have a really gnarly scar, really bad. But the, the good news is... There's good news, guys. <laughs> it's, not a happy, it's not a bad ending. <laughs> it might start that way. You know, the good news is the scar is there and no longer here. Everything that happened to me is no longer there or here or here or here or here. It's no longer here. It's out there. It doesn't belong to me anymore. I don't have that. I don't have that anymore. You know, and the reason I'm getting emotional, because that's what it used to be like. That is not what it's like today, guys. Today's awesome. I still have that fucking scar. Oops, did I say that word fuck again? Um, I still have a scar. I still have a scar, you know. But it's there where it should be. Not here. You know, but at six years old, what do I know about anything about anything? So, you know, um, when my father... When my father finishes his uh, 20-year contract um, with the government, he comes back home, the U.S., and he takes his wife and, and me and his, and his two kids. And um, so now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, um, and I go to school, and I'm wearing my little, my little brace and my little, you know, little skirt, eight years old, and I go to school, and I get teased. And you know what? Kids don't know. They don't know that... For many, many decades, they're going to hurt this child for many, many decades to come. They don't know. What do they know? They don't know anything about anything about anything, you know? And I blamed them for many, many decades, you know? I used to come home crying, you know, because the little kids picked on me. You know, ha, ha, barbara, you know, and it's like, you know, I'd come home crying and crying. And then my mom, with her wisdom, and I don't blame her either, you know, um, well, you know, Barbara, if you don't wear those little cute little dresses or skirts or anything like that, um, wear long pants, then they won't see your brace, and therefore you won't cry. And I think it killed her to see her little eight-year-old cry. How could it not? How could it not? So, and what she thought was, you know, well, then you won't cry. You'll be okay. Everybody will love each other. And what came across to me is, Barbara, you are a monster. You better hide. And hide I did. And hide I did for a very, very, very long time. Never did I go to the beach to wear bathing suits or dresses or skirts or shorts or sandals, ever. Unless I was loaded. <laughs> and then nothing mattered. Nothing mattered. I could be naked. I couldn't care. You know? Um, and, but I didn't know anything about that until I was... Um, older, you know, but I hid in other ways. I hid in reading books. You know, I read books and books and books. I mean, I read books when I was like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old that, you know, I'd have a hard time reading today, you know, and, um, because I was, that, that was the story. That was me. This, I don't want this to be me. No, no, no. Can't you see? I, I, I can't, I, I can't deal with it. I, I just cannot. So, you know, and then I watch Elvis Presley, and he always got the, the girl, and they lived happily ever after. Oh, I love that. You know, so I was always in search of, you know, I was an escape artist before I found the real 
you know, escape hatch, you know, which was uh, drugs and alcohol. So, you know, at nine years old, I started smoking cigarettes. You know, at 12 years old, I started drinking, got suspended from school, you know, um, Puerto Rican rum, you know, passed out in the bathroom, you know, suspended, although my mom didn't know. I don't even know what she knows today, <laughs> you know. But, you know, in hitchhiking from Florida to I was going to New Jersey because, you know, there's no pain there. You know, and, um, and, 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 and maybe in New Jersey, or maybe here, or maybe doing this or doing that, I won't feel ugly, stupid, nobody loves me. And I'm in search of, because I'm so empty inside. I have nothing. I am nothing. I will never be nothing. And I'm emotional now, because that's, I don't remember the last time I felt that. And I'm carrying a message to you, because if you feel that way, you do a little work, little writing, little reading, little praying, and poof, it all goes away. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, maybe not in 10 years. But it'll go away with a lot of hard work. You know, a little reading, a little writing. It's like, oh, my God, there's only 12 steps, not like 144, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, a little phone call, you know, a little, you know, God, please help me, you know, a little third step prayer. It's like, whoa, that's all you have to do? Yes. Yeah, that's it. For some of us, it seems like, oh, my God, I'm not doing that. My sponsor wants me to call her every day. I have to go to that meeting. Well, you can go be home, you know, um, you know, killing yourself. Yeah, those are hard options. I think it says that in the big book somewhere, you know. <laughs> you know, so, um, so all this stuff was happening to me, and I'm in search of happiness, but it's not here. It's not there. It's not the combination of drinking. It's not the combination of, of hitchhiking. It's not the cap- combination of Elvis or, or the reading. And then I found drugs and alcohol, and that was the combination. That's what made me feel pretty and beautiful, and I'm all that. And you love me. And, I, and Scar, what's Scar? And what the, and it's like, so who would want to give that up? Not me. And probably not you. Probably not none of you sitting here. Today, maybe. If you're sober, then you've made a decision. You should be proud of yourself. Because this is the real deal. This is where we come here with all our pain and all our suffering and all of... Everything that has just consumed our body and our minds and our heart and our soul and our spirit has just killed us. But we have a way out. There is a solution. You have to read more about alcoholism. (laughs) You have to do a little reading, a little writing, a little praying. And you too can have this. But are you willing to do what it takes to get there? And sad and unfortunately, a lot of us are not. That's why we go to funerals. That's why we go to friends that I've known 20, 30, over 30 years that can't put it together because they're not willing to do what it takes. You have to have more than a desire to stay sober. It's a good start. Don't get me wrong. But even if you don't have a desire to stay sober, you can do it, you know, with a little hard work. A little hard work, you know. Um, the, the, the trick here is because... The problem is, the problem is, I used to think the problem was the problem. No. My sponsor said the problem is the way you look at the problem. That's the problem. Oh. So I look at the world as like muddled. I can't see through it. It's all 
you know, cloudy, the, ha- the glass is, you know, I've got no glass. <laughs> Forget about being half empty. I have no glass, you know. Anybody have a glass? <laughs> Give me a fucking glass. Oh, I said it again. Okay. <sighs> so I found out what the problem was, you know. Me. <laughs> what? I, you mean it's not God? It's not that situation. It's not the snake. It's not the job. It's not the cop. It's not the judge. It's not Trump. Well, maybe some people think that. (laughs) But the problem is me. I'm the problem. I had no idea. I didn't know. I really really didn't know. I I really, really didn't know. You know, and so, you know, things kept happening to me as I'm looking for, you know, for just a little bit of acceptance, you know, and some people get into with bad crowds just because they want to be accepted. For the most part, we're not bad people. Now, some are, some really are, you know, um, but for the most part, we're not. We're just trying to get along, get along, get along. Just, you know, I, all I wanted, like going to school was, hey, Barb, come on, let's go. You know, Barb, man, is that a new new pair of shoes? Oh, you look great. Oh, your hair looks, what'd you do? It's like, I just want a little bit of, come on, Barb, let's go. Let's, let, let's, let's go, let's go to, let's, let's go to lunch. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get, if I got that, I don't know. I was too busy thinking about myself to know what you thought of, you know. And um, so, you know, so a lot of things happen along the way at 16 years old. Oh, oh. I run away from home for the last time because they always caught me anyway, you know. And they, they one time I was, I think I was in D.C. I flew, I hitchhiked, um, or I was 14, or I don't remember. I was young, you know. And I and, and I hitchhiked from from Miami, and I think I was caught in D.C. or Virginia or somewhere up there. And you know what happens to 14 year old women that gets along the way as they're hitchhiking? Not good, you know. Not good. And um, and so, uh, so the last time I last time I ran away from home, I was 16 years old, um, and um, and uh, and I and I get pregnant with with, with this guy that um, he's um, he's 21, I'm 16, and 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 I get pregnant, and and um, and I have um, I have um, I, I'm with this guy because who else is going to want me? Who else? That's just the way life is, you know. And it's God again. I can't understand why he's treating me this this bad. You know, stuff keeps happening to me, you know. And I don't know why he's doing this to me. So I meet this guy, and he was such an abusive man. He would beat me regularly, you know, black and blue marks, you know, and told me how ugly, how stupid I was. But I already knew that. I already knew that. So I was in the right place. <laughs> supposed to be funny. <laughs> I can laugh today. I was in the right place. And um, so he would sit me down for hours and back, walk back and forth. You're ugly. You're stupid. Nobody, no one's going to want you with that scar on your leg. I already knew that. I'm in the right place. You know? And, um, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, just, and I stayed with him for two years because I'm in the right place. Who else would want me? You know? And then things happen, you know, along the way. You know, I remember once I hit the semi- and, I mean, 
I sort of remember it. You know, he was parked, and he was like, and actually, he's trying to cross. He was trying to cross the street, a big eighteen wheeler, and I'm coming downhill with no brakes on a Honda, and I don't know how fast I was going. I was going fast, you know, and and but I would time myself, you know, about ten car lengths. I better start you know, downshifting, blah, blah. Well, I was wrong this time. And I, and I hit the semi. I, I, I thought I could go around it, but I didn't. So I'm in the hospital. They shaved my head, all of this, and I'm, like, you know, bandaged here. You know, my, they had, I had, like, um, like a, um, black stitches from here because they had to shave my head back here to, like, just like that. And then here and here and then there. You know, just, you know, they use fishing wires today. It's, it's prettier. <laughs> You know, but I had all this black, you know, and it's like they, they, I, I thank God I didn't see a mirror. But when I saw a mirror, it was like, I'm in the right place. That's why I'm anyway. I'm the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> I'm in the right place. That's who I am. That's how I feel. So this is nothing. Scars, nothing. That's who I am. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. And nobody wants me. Of course, I'm going to look like this, you know, and, uh, and uh, so I have the courage somehow uh, to, to uh, leave this man. And I have a two-year-old with me. And I'm doing all kinds of drinking and drugging, you know, doing, you know, like, um, like you know, massive amounts of quaaludes and all these, you know, and secondals and tuinols and placidols and Paris 400s and drinking a big thing and, and, and all that stuff. And I'm hitchhiking and I'm smoking and I'm not happy. What's the formula? What is, what, is, what is the formula for happiness? That's really what we want. You know, so, and, I, and, I, and at, 20, at 20 years old, I meet this man. He's Italian uh, from New York. Yay. You know, and he's, and he's uh, 20 years older than me. I'm 20 and he's 40. And he was my God after all. What did God ever do for me? You know, but this man was, I was his princess queen. He was, whatever, whatever was going to happen, he said was going to happen, it happened. And this man loved me. He loved me. He told me I was beautiful. I was smart. And Scar, what the hell are you talking about? He kissed my Scar. Wait a minute. I, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not the right place the right time. I don't, I don't understand good things. I don't understand being loved. I don't understand being told that I'm pretty. I don't understand any of it. I, I've never felt that. Never got it from anyone, you know? And he told me a million times a day. And for two years, we were a normal family. I stopped everything. I, you know... Oh, he smoked pot. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> you know, and a couple of things here and there, but not massive. Enough to like sort of, sort of kind of maybe have some kind of normalcy, you know. And he loved my son, and my son loved him, and it was normal. But I still felt that. Wasn't enough, wasn't enough. 24 hours a day being with him was not enough for him to tell me he loved me. Not enough. I remember he'd come home from work, and I didn't have to work. No, go shopping. Go, go buy yourself something. You're smart. You can go to school. And I remember one, one day he came home, like actually like many days, and it was, I don't know, seven at night. It was darkish, and he comes in, the light's off, and he turns on the light, 
And I'm in the corner behind a chair sitting, sitting on the floor, just, you know, like this, hugging. And he comes, and he sits next to me, and he puts his arms around me, and he says, I know what you're thinking. I go, what? He goes, you don't think I love you, do you? I go, no. He goes, of course I love you. And he gave me a million kisses. I needed him. I had to have him. I'd be dead without him. So I transferred my drug addiction, my alcoholic drinking for something that was greater. And that was greater. I just wanted love. I just wanted love. But then what happens is that's still not enough. So we get back into, um, we get into, um, he started to make a lot of money and uh, a lot of money. And, um, and we were able to um, put it this way. The last, the last two and a half years of my drinking and using, and I'll say this in a nutshell, we were up for four, five, six, seven days out of the week. We were doing a quarter ounce to a half an ounce of cocaine a day in our arms and freebasing as we're going down. He was doing 100 milligrams of methadone a day, triple dosing on the weekend because they give you the little, you know, 300 milligrams because they trust you not to do all 300 at once because the weekend is closed, you know, the clinic is closed. And then, you know, 100 uh, Valiums a week, uh, 70 Dilaudids a week. I remember one time I drank, I don't know, what is that, what is that, two liters of, 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 of um, Cueva Gold. Like that, that bit, what is that? I forget now, see? <laughs> it was good now. I drank the whole thing except for like that much. And I felt nothing. I felt nothing. And it was God. <laughs> Back to God. And then um, I'm 80 pounds lighter than I am today. I have black and blue marks all over my arms, back of my legs. You know, there was, um, back then you were able to buy bags of needles. You know, they came in 20 for the, for the diabetics. And you can buy them. They were all over the house. There's no food in the house. We had a beautiful house in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, the intercoaster was our backyard. We, have, we had a boat, and we, uh, um, we had a, a pool and a dock, and we had maids. We had a circular driveway and statues, you know, and we were in a beautiful, exclusive neighborhood, and we had no food in the house. And my, and my son would come out to me, and, Mom, I'm, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, okay, in a minute. Okay, I'm either drinking or I'm snorting or I'm smoking or I'm shooting or I'm doing something, but not that. And then, you know, a couple hours go by, that night comes, Mom, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. And then I'm back to my priorities. And that night goes by. And the next morning he comes to me and he's crying, Mom, I'm hungry. And I'd run to McDonald's, come and give give him his hamburger, and I'd go back to my priorities. What did I know about being a mom? Not a goddamn thing. What did I know about holding him and telling him he was beautiful and that he was loved? What did I know about bathing him and playing with him, taking him shopping for those cute little booties and stuff? I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about anything about anything. You know, and he was taken away as he should have been taken away a long time ago. Because if I say anything different, that's my problem. Selfishness, self-centeredness. Oh, no, sir. I know what my problem is today. Thank God he was taken away. And um, that's painful. That's painful. 
you know, and I went back to my priorities. And then, um, and then we left. We, well, everything was taken away. <laughs> we didn't leave because we chose to. We, well, we sort of had to leave. <laughs> um, my husband was a very, very bad man. Not to me. He was my God. But he was a bad man. He took things from people. Or better yet, they give it to him. You know, and um, he was, hey, you want my house? You want my boat? You want my wife? It's like, honey, I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think you should take your wife, you know. Um, and, 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 and I don't know anything about anything because I'm, I'm incredibly naive. He's Italian from New York with those people. I had no idea what those people were. All I know is everybody was kissing everybody. All the guys, you know, all these guys who were 40, 50, and 60 years old were at our house. And, the, the, you know, the Italian women were in the kitchen cooking, you know. And all the men were hugging each other. They all had, you know, Rolex watches with diamonds and five-carat pinky rings. And, oh, that looks nice. You know, and it's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know. And um, so what happened? We, 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 he said, you know, um, we're leaving. No questions asked. I never asked anyway, you know, it's like we, we, we went from, we moved from one house to another, left everything behind. Okay. You know, and it's like, well, now we got to leave the state. I said, okay, that's fine. You know, so we came out here and, um, and we take us with us, you know, and, um, and what happens? He goes in and, um, he was sort of, it was a good idea. He'd get be detoxed. So he got detoxed at Beverly Hills Medical Center, which is no longer there, you know. Um, wow. And, um, and so he gets detoxed, and, um, and, and, um, and he found God right away. Right away. And I, I, I went to meetings with him. You know, I was like, I was going to meetings with him, and it's like, wow, I'm so glad that he's getting sober. He's got a problem, you know. And I had no idea. I, I, I thought I had a God, a God problem. You, you really, I, I did. So, I mean, I didn't, you know. And uh, so he gets detoxed. He starts working this program, and this man is an, I mean, I, I'm in, he's on fire, sponsoring 30, 40 guys at a time. There's people at our house all the time. You know, everybody knew him. Everywhere he went, they wanted to be with him. You know, I didn't care who you were. They were at my house. I had no idea how many people were at my house. I cooked for 30 people all the time, you know. And um, so, and then what happened was, um, was he got sick. And it's like, okay, well, you know. Um, and, and he got HIV. He got AIDS. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, well, what do I know about him? anything about anything. And then what is evident, when it became evident of what was going on, I started to know something. I started to snap out of my fog that I was in for my whole life, you know, because I saw this man um, die in front of me little by little by little. And this man was my God. I would have died for him in a heartbeat. No questions asked. And I took care of this man but what happened was back came the punishing God, you know, because it had, he had gone, the punishing God had gone away for a little bit. No, no, no. L- let me rephrase that. My idea of a punishing God went away for a little bit, but it came back. And as I was doing my inventory, you know, the inventory is, you know, there's a million things on, on my inventory. The first one is, well, you know, um, what happened? You know, well, you know, I hated God because, you know, I got bit by a snake. The kids were, they were teasing me, this and that. Well, you know, what was your part? Well, you know, Barb, when, when your mom said, don't go over there, there are snakes, and you went anyway? 
All right, God, you're off the hook on that one. Not your fault. I see it now. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, how about the semi? How about the semi? You know, I had the scar on my, on my, on my forehead and this and that. Well, you know, your part, you know, what, 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 what does it, um, you know, what, what was your part? And it's like, well, I was loaded out of my mind driving, you know, 50 miles an hour downhill with no brakes. God, you're off the hook on that one. My fault. Um, well, my son, he was taken away. How could you do that? Oh, Barb, that should be the easiest for you. Do you remember when you didn't feed him for a day or two at a time? Yes, I remember. Off the hook. And Barb, do you remember when you used with somebody who had the AIDS virus and, and Joey just happened to get it? Yes, I remember. Off the hook and everything. It was me. I was the one. I was the one. And I'm not going to say that I was at fault, but I was responsible. Because if you're saying it was my fault, it, it, you're, you're still hurting yourself. You're still belittle, belittling yourself. But if you say, I was responsible, I take responsibility. That's being an adult. That's getting across. You're doing the process. So I did all of that. you know. And, um, and the last three days before he passed away, and there is a lot of, lot of stuff to take care of somebody that I said I, you know, I would have died for. Oxygen tanks being wheeled in and, and diapers being put on him. And I would brush his teeth and put perfume on him because he's still going to smell good. And I was the insanity. I was five years sober. And the insanity of it. And, and I hated God because look what he was doing to him. And then three days before he passed away, I screamed out loud, God, dear God, please give me some effing strength. See, I said effing. Give me some effing strength, please. And he passed away. And after that, I didn't go to meeting for like six months because I was watching him, watching his heart go up, go down, go up, go Okay, you're right. You know. and, and feeding him. And, and just, I was a mad woman at five years sober. You know, and, and after he passed away, I went to a meeting took a shower, I started to pay my bills, and I'm like, well, I was a nutcase for six months, really, for two years, we fought it for two years, what happened was that God could and would if he were sought, and that's exactly what I did, not even knowing it, but I've been trained to do that here in this program, cunning, powerful, baffling, without help, it is too, too much, not just drugs and alcohol, but life situations, feelings, events, anything that can bring you down. God could and would if you were sought. And he promised me. And he did. And, um, and I had an altar for many, many, for a long time. You know, and I went to the, to, um, to the cemetery every day. And then once a week. And then once a month. And once a year. And then 20 years go by. And I'm remarried now eight years. You know, and... To a wonderful man, you know, and it's like, you know, it took 20 years to find him because I wasn't in a hurry. (laughs) And nobody told me, hey, Barb, it's been five years. Aren't you over it yet? Barb, it's been 10 years. Aren't you over it yet? Barb, it's been 20 years. Aren't you over it yet? Barb, it's been 20. Nobody told me because they knew you read, you write, you pray, you be willing to uh, feel pain. You carry the message. You, you share, you have your panels, you do your four-step, your steps, you say hello, you save a seat, you open the door to somebody, offer a piece of gum, small stuff, 
small. No one's asking you for a million dollars. No one's asking you to, you know, drive 200 miles, except for today. (laughs) (laughs) And I married eight years to a wonderful man that let me have my way until we got married. (laughs) No one kidding. No, because he knew that he knew... He knew that I wasn't ready. He said, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you do it, baby, the way you want to do it. Oh, okay. Well, I want this, I want that. Done. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Don't do it. And my cat sleeps with me. My cat sleeps with me. <laughs> and he did. He had a cat. Um, there's so much more I want to tell you guys. You know, I, I'm... My, um, I, I, I had had hepatitis C, and I went through the interferon treatment. Whoo, kicked my ass. 14 months. Lost my hair, gained 60 pounds. Ugh, it was terrible. And, um, and that brought me through the ringer. That really did. And, my, and that was, I just finished that eight, eight years ago, and my husband saw me through that, and I'd be, oh, it's a mad woman, mad. And when he saw me like that, she'd go, oh, okay, babe, I got to go work on the yard or something, you know. <laughs> And, um, and today we have, you know, two pugs, two cats. We feed the homeless, homeless animals. I go to work. He goes to work. We have a nice, you know, little simple life. He's in the program. I'm in the program. You know, um, life is good. Life is really good. You know, my son that, um, that, uh, that was taken away from me, Still won't talk to me. He's 40 years old, and he only knows what it was like. He's not allowing me to show him what it's like today. So be it. When I can handle it, thank you, Lord. When I can't handle it, God, I need your help. One or the other. Where are you today? Are you asking for help? Are you thanking him? Which way are you? You know, um, I wrote a book, a a, a memoir, (laughs) of course, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And there's two chapters in it. The two chapters are, I can't seem to forget, because I couldn't. The experience of losing my, my husband and my son, it, was, it just consumed every second of my mind. Every second, I dreamt about him, for, and still, but not so often anymore. You know, so I, I, that's the two chapters, the main chapters, I can't seem to forget, the other chapters I can't seem to remember. Now it's on print. It's not here. It's not there. It's, it's, it's not here anymore. Life is good. You know, my, my friend Lori edited the book for me, and, um, and thank you, you know, for that. You know, and, um, you know, if it takes you, you can have... For those of you who are new, and there are some of you here, um, give yourself a chance. You, you really only have two choices, your way or this way. If you're stuck in the middle, well, I don't know. That's a horrible place to be. We know that. We understand that. We've been there. But you can still think that way and take the action and do it our way. 
You can still take the action. You can still think, what is the program going to do for me? You can still think it's not going to work. You can still think there is no God. You can still think, because nobody, this is not about what you think. This is about what do you do? What do you do? Not what you think, what do you do? So if it took you 10 years to get into into the woods, please allow yourself 10 years to get out. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.